Oh yeah, welcome to the weekly. I've got Pastor Jay Ewing in the studio with me. As always, while we're trying to connect, what happened over the weekend here at Calvary with your real life lived Monday through Friday, trying to make it as practical as possible. Jay, how you doing, man? You didn't introduce yourself, but that was the best intro I've heard on the weekly. You You should have said, and my name is Pastor Thomas. Hey, Pastor Thomas, how's it going? Hey, Jay, this is the Thomas (laughs) podcast, late night jazz music. Oh, man. Cozy 101? Cozy 101 would be a good title. Oh, man. No way. It's so good to see you. Hey, it's Thanksgiving week. This is your favorite holiday of the year. No, I know it is. is. Yeah, I yeah. know it is. You, remember, should we remind ourselves about Thanksgiving? Why I like Thanksgiving? <laughs> My neighbors are putting up Christmas lights, and they yelled at me for not participating yet yeah. because we all kind of do it together. Right. But I said, no, 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 no. We we do not skip Thanksgiving. They said it's 2020. All the rules are out the window. <laughs> That's so good, my friend. <laughs> no, but think about this. Okay, so, well, I guess in years past, we're in DEFCON purple or approaching DEFCON yes. purple. But in theory, you should be gathered with friends and family. Right. You should be watching some football. Definitely. There should be some fun activities, games. Oh, definitely. Some board games you yeah. never use the rest of the year. And the food. The food. The food. Without, and here's the here's the big thing, without the pressure of having the perfect present or matching gifts or any of that of like, do I, I don't know, do I live up to the Christmas dreams of everyone? Right. It's just eat. It's just eat. But then your mother-in-law goes down with... The, a knee surgery, and they look to you to cook the bird for the year. Oh, man. There's a lot of pressure. Is this what's happening in your house right now? <laughs> yes, this is what's Are happening. you cooking the bird? I'm in charge of the chicken this year, and I've asked my wife to bake a backup ham just in <laughs> case <laughs> it goes down. Because I right. was like, you could you could risk a bird yeah. and then just call for pizza or you Chinese could, food. But a ham is a good safe bet for the yeah. second meat. That's a good call. All so. right, full confession, this is what I did over the weekend. So I am cooking the turkey this year on the grill, and I want to do it on the charcoal grill. Oh, man. You're going to smoke it? I'm going to spatchcock okay. a turkey. <laughs> Look that up, folks. <laughs> <laughs> so here, But here's the thing is I want to do it slow over about, I don't know, two hours. Okay. And so I wanted to try this snake method with my coals <laughs> to make sure that I could keep a solid like 325 in the grill. So I, I smoked a couple of like, <laughs> chicken breasts just because I don't want to mess up the, the Thanksgiving turkey. Right. Yeah. You, you need a you need a pregame it. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. So we had some chicken over the weekend hey, on, on the on the charcoal grill. The NFL plays preseason games for a reason, my friend. <laughs> they do. You they have do. to preseason some things. So yeah. yesterday I preseasoned uh, the bread that I'm making on Christmas. Oh. oh, not Christmas, Thanksgiving. I'm already at Christmas. See, you, you've lost me, man. Because I put up Christmas lights last weekend. Oh. And I almost texted a picture and put Jay, it on Instagram. Sorry, I'm so Thanksgiving. disappointed in you. <laughs> so disappointed. No, I'm going Clark Griswold this year, my friend. You drive down my street, you will see the biggest Christmas star in our entire city on my roof. Unbelievable. This year. And you will see, I, I broke down the wife finally after years of marriage, nine years of marriage. We bought inflatables for the front oh, yard. Oh, game changer. Guess what I got? Tell me it's an abominable snowman. No, Baby Yoda <laughs> and BB 8 <laughs> <laughs> with a candy cane oh my and a Christmas hat. Okay. It's too much. No, it's great, my friend. Okay. Christmas see. is here. Starbucks declared it November 1st. So, so did, did I. I got a red cup last so week. Did. It's a beautiful thing. 
anyway, okay, so let's let's talk, let's not leave Thanksgiving quite yet. I know we have a lot of content to yeah. get to, but when you're and this is good for everyone who's listening, you can answer this too. But Jay, answer this question for me. What is the one thing that has to be on the Thanksgiving table for it to be Thanksgiving? The Cowboys at two p.m. <laughs> <laughs> is that like a junior varsity? Yeah, that's a junior varsity cross. We're on our fourth string quarterback this year, so it's going to be a weird Thanksgiving game. But I grew up, so I'm from Texas. The birthright in Texas is becoming a Cowboys fan when you're born. So I've been a Cowboys fan since my birth. And in middle school, my uncle was gracious enough to take us to the Thanksgiving game at the Dallas Stadium. Really? Yeah. Isn't that why you sold your birthright for some green bean casserole? No, no. Green Bay Castle, throw it out the window, man. That's an empty car, but you want to fill That's up it. on roll, my friend. Rolls, 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 okay, rolls. Okay, la- okay, last question, we'll move on. Anyways, no, what? but oh, go, Thanksgiving sorry. Day. Tell me about your Cowboys your have story. to be playing on Thanksgiving Day. You have to watch the whole game, or Jesus is very sad at you. The whole game? The whole game. When was the last time you sat down and watched an entire football game? Last Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be great, man. It's great. Yeah, I love Thanksgiving Day. What's your favorite food on Thanksgiving Day? All of it. Yeah. Just all of it with a period. Are you a pumpkin pie to finish it off? You know, pop, I like pumpkin. I'm just a pie guy in general. Mm-hmm. So any kind of pie. I mean, it probably starts, gosh, I don't even know where. I mean, I, we try to make like four to eight pies. Right. You're the pie expert family anyway. We just love it. I don't know. I just love pies. I had the best pumpkin pie actually last night. It had a chocolate crust, like a chocolate. It was amazing with pumpkin pie. It's like, why haven't we combined chocolate and pumpkin all these years? Who knows? I don't know, but that's my favorite pie so far. Okay, so in that, in that thread, what's one thing that your family has at the Thanksgiving table that if I or another family that was new to your Thanksgiving joined you would, would think it's pretty weird? Um, there's not much. It's a traditional. Besides... The years that Jay had protested turkey and made a steak. <laughs> There's about five years of my life where I protested turkey and just made a steak on Thanksgiving Day, which my my wonderful sister-in-law graciously let happen <laughs> without saying anything rude or upsetting me. That's kind of Even her. though she was upset yeah. probably that I brought it. She must be a righteous woman. She is a righteous. She's a Proverbs we- 31 woman. Yeah, slow to, slow to speak, quick to listen. Yeah, totally. Yeah, care what, for Jay and all his feelings. What about you? What's on your table that's just strange? I don't know. I think someone would have to, I mean. You don't know because it's so, your family tradition. Yeah. And we, I mean, we host people that don't normally come around the table every year. We'll just right. join us if they're not, um, you know, with their family or whatnot. So I'm, I'm going to ask them, like, what's here that's just weird that you were kind of afraid to eat? Yeah, totally. That makes sense. You used to be uh, oyster stuffing, but that's like a very coastal southern type of dish for thanksgiving yeah i don't eat that anymore because i'm not i'm in the middle of land (laughs) kristen has a rule if you can't see the ocean don't eat the fish that's a great rule yeah she's a what about like catfish because you can see the lake i don't think think she eats catfish i don't think she does bass or catfish okay we talked a lot about food everyone's gonna now pause and go eat something because we're all hungry (laughs) This is what you do when you eat, when you podcast about uh, three in the afternoon and you're hungry. Yeah. I would imagine that most people who follow the show, I don't yeah. know if there's two or three thousand, I'm not sure. Yeah. At this point, maybe maybe four. Maybe four thousand. Yeah. Um I just assumed that 
this, they're listening to this podcast while having family Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> this is what they do at Thanksgiving dinner table. Yeah. Let's listen to the, the weekly. The weekly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. We got a lot to talk to, uh, talk about, talk through. Um, this is a great week. You talked about Acts 29. How many of you out there, how many of your listeners actually tried to turn to Acts 29 when Tom said, let's turn to Acts 29? I bet you, I bet you several people did. Definitely. Or Bible, their Bible app didn't, was like, yeah, can't find rejected. it. <laughs> yeah, totally. But what, why is Acts 29, like, what do, we, what do we mean when we talk about Acts 29? So Acts 29, if you were with us on Sunday, isn't actually a chapter in the book of Acts. It ends in Acts 28. But Acts 29 has kind of become this proverbial way of talking about the current history of the church, like as it's being played out in real time. Because we said the book of Acts doesn't end with a period, it ends with a comma. It's really just the preface, the introduction of where the church was born and then where it was going. And so Acts 29 is where we pick up in our story, which would be such a clever name to start a network of churches. (laughs) It already exists. (laughs) Oh man, that's a Bible juke right there it is yeah it is. jesus but, juke so acts 29 is just just a way of saying okay so now what is god doing yeah so acts if you remember uh is all that jesus continues to do or continue to do by the power of the holy spirit through the church at that time the apostles and so we could say the same thing is all that jesus is continuing to do by the power of the holy spirit through his followers uh, what does he continue to commissioning us to do and all that he commissions us to do he's faithful to accomplish so Acts ends in a really peculiar way. It starts like with this formal letter, and then all of a sudden it's like, and here's the end. Yeah. What do you what do you do with that when you're looking at the back of uh, chapter 28 of Acts? Yeah. So I think this kind of gives into the historical credibility of it. Is in, without this perfect bow, you know, like Olympus takes the mountain, or you know, one of these Greek sagas, right. where it's all wrapped up. It really it reads like a historical document. As these was this was the information at at the time, to kind of probably plead the case of Paul mm-hmm. and what's happening with the Roman officials and the case being made against him as a disturber of the peace. And then ending with, this is where he is. He's in jail. He's waiting two years, and we'll see the outcome of the trial. But he continues unhindered is actually yeah, what the NIV tells us. Unhindered. I mean, probably holding nothing back. Um, he's able to freely share the gospel, even in Rome, under house arrest. That's pretty impressive, though. Uh, if you think about it, like, we've read... Two books of Luke now in the last couple of years of life of church, Luke and the Acts. And um, it's just impressive how well he documented uh, this history of the early church, of Jesus himself going into Jerusalem and then Jesus and his spirit coming out of Jerusalem into the rest of the world. So you made a point that uh, Acts begins with a prayer meeting in a home. It ends with, what did you say, a a home, a home group, or what do you? No, something super say, clever. No, I don't know if it was super clever. It was just. Isn't it interesting that the book of Acts opens in a home with a prayer meeting and ends in a home sharing the faith, sharing the gospel, and I think that's where we just need to look at today and say, okay, what does the last two verses of Acts teach us very practically, getting as granular as possible of how to live in today's culture. And so we said, hey, if you don't understand what's going on in the world, just open up your Bible. You don't need a crystal ball. You don't need a magic vision. You just need to open up your Bible because Jesus has already told us what's going on. And that is, this is the church age. This is a season where God has carved out time and space for the church. Those who follow Jesus Christ, who have been born again, who have been sealed with the Spirit, are taking the gospel to all the nooks and crannies of the, of the world. 
and his sheep who hear his voice come to him. Like you're just gathering sheep. We're gathering sheep in America. We're gathering sheep in Brazil. We're gathering sheep in Africa. All those who would come to Christ. And that's the Gentiles, those who are outside the Jewish faith. But there's a, that season's going to come to a conclusion. Right. And, and Paul tells the church in Rome that there's a time when the fullness of Gentiles is in. And then boom, game, game set, match, over. Jesus gathers his church. And that whole dispensation is, is just done. And so then there's this process of regrafting Israel and Israel coming to know their Messiah and then Christ coming to reign on the earth and just this beautiful picture of making all things new. So we as the church know where we live and where this whole thing's going. Yeah, we know the playbook. Yeah. You know how this whole game's going to end. And we might be in the fourth quarter, we might not be in the fourth quarter, but we know the outcome. And so it gives us the, the courage to live in the days ahead. The unfamiliar days ahead. Yes. Yeah. Who knows what 2021 is going to bring? Who knows? And it'll have its troubles and challenges just like 2020 did. But we will know that in the end, Jesus will reign. His church will be gathered. His people will know his name. And that it'll all be nice and neat. Yeah, end. I think we have to just kind of get a clarity of why we're on the planet today. And I think when we forget why we're on the planet, uh, we can lose sight and get a little bit anxious. Yeah, one of my in my conversation in a home group this week, someone in my home group said, man, 2020 has reminded me that this is not my home. And I said, that is a great lesson to learn in 2020. Yeah. This is a fantastic lesson that this is a temporary destination on our journey towards a permanent dwelling. So if that's the mission is, okay, we've got two things going on. For me personally and for you personally, the mission is this. Find Jesus Christ and be conformed in his image. Like that, that's what life's about. Like You should be conformed to the image of Christ. We should spend our energy allowing God to do his work that only he can do, putting ourselves on the potter's wheel every single day, asking him to mold us and shape us, pull out those pieces that don't belong in our life, and then just continuing to, just to embed the fruit of the Spirit. Then there's the second piece that we're not going to have after the coming of Christ, which is evangelism, is to participate in the gathering of his sheep. Paul says, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here in chains and I'm struggling after the gospel for the sake of the elect, how, how God has called and people have answered. Don't even know how that mystery works. Um, but I'm doing this all for them. I'm giving my life away for the gathering of God's sheep. That's what we're here for the planet. And that, that whole dispensation will close. Right. And we will spend eternity with God growing, I think, it, in his likeness almost. We'll, we'll enjoy fellowship with him, understanding God's ways. We're going to have worship fellowship, all of that's going to continue. Yeah, and an important conversation with Noah and all the others. That yeah, got some questions. Us. Yeah, got some questions. <laughs> Fill in the blank here. <laughs> I can't wait for that. But evangelism will be over. Yeah. Like, we have that work, that's, that's divine work today, and that's why we have breath in our lungs, to be yeah. conformed to the image of Christ and go gather his sheep. Yeah, Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians 5 that we are Christ's ambassadors, that we have this ring that declares that we are here on behalf of Christ. Yeah. And so how are you living is the real question to share the good news of Christ. How are you engaging your world to reveal who Christ is to you and to the nations? I, I love that word picture of ambassadors because it means that you're not in your homeland. Right. That you have been deployed to foreign lands and you represent your home kingdom to foreigners to help them see what is the ethic of the kingdom? What is the the law of the kingdom you come from? What is the governance of your kingdom? What is your king like? What's your king like? Yeah. So, yeah, we are ambassadors. That's the mission. And so here we have Paul, okay? And you would think 
he's just totally lost heart. I mean, gosh, I'm in Rome. Finally got here, but now I'm in chains. I, I got to pay for this place. I'm in, under house arrest. I can't do anything anymore. It feels like he's quarantined. Mm-hmm. And we find him there with great enthusiasm. And it says that he's welcoming everyone who came, teaching and preaching with all boldness and without hindrance. Yeah. And we can't forget in Acts 20 when he meets with the Ephesian elders, he knows exactly what's going to happen. He's going to go to Jerusalem, and this is what's going to happen. And he doesn't realize he's going to go to the ends of the earth based upon him being in chains, which is an amazing only work of God. Yeah, God's mode is different than my mode. Yeah. You know, he's answering the prayer. I mean, God told him, you're going to go to Rome. Um, the mode of how Paul was going to get there was unknown. Right. So here, here from our text, okay, let, let's just talk to a few people who maybe feel discouraged today. If you feel like the church is closed, if you feel like the witness is stifled, if you feel like the world is falling apart and you're growing discouraged, what are three things that we could begin to build into from these last two verses in our own spiritual life and build some spiritual muscle, maybe some muscle that has grown you know, into atrophy living right. in America with a church on every corner. But what should we be exercising um, that we see in the last three, three or last two verses? What are three things that we could really build on our bodies? And this is a culmination of what you've been asking since March. You've been thinking about this, praying about this really pondering what is God going to do with us yeah. in this season. And so you came up with three really handy-dandy ones. What are they? Well, I think it has been a whole season of this. It's like, okay, was God surprised by coronavirus? No way. No. Uh, were we surprised by coronavirus? Absolutely. And so I think it's just a really healthy posture whenever we're caught off guard, knowing that God's not, God's got the game plan laid out, to just pause and say, Heavenly Father, what do you have in this season for me, to grow in the likeness of Christ? What muscles need to be built? What muscles need to be strengthened? What things in my life need to be cut out? Um, with this in mind, I'm being conformed to the image of Christ, and I'm gathering sheep. That's why I'm on the planet. So uh, the first one, I think, is just him being hospitable. We talked about this, being in a home. Yeah, hospitality, which is a spiritual muscle that the American church hasn't really been that great at in the sense of, We've had the resources, the square footage and buildings on corners of every street to practice this there, but not in our home. Yeah, and the story of Acts is some of the most hospitable people. Right. Welcome people into their life, into their home, sharing resources. Um, here, Paul is using his own resources. He's leveraging his own wealth, it seems like, um, to be able to care and support for his own needs and with the needs of others. And I would agree with you, Jay. I think I look around you know, the American culture and specifically where we are, it's hard for people to invite others into their life, to do shared life together. Yeah, and it's because we have all these expectations of what it should be and how we're inadequate with it based upon what the media is telling us, what Pinterest is telling us, whatever our Instagram friends are telling us, the influencers is like, man, my house doesn't look like their house. Or, you know, I still have that project that's lingering in the living room that I don't want anyone to see until it's completed in 2022. You know what I mean? Like those type of things that we go through our head and we're like, or based upon our house, like we live in a smaller house in Erie, Colorado. Our bathroom is upstairs. There's no downstairs bathroom. So that limits us on who we can invite over to our house at times because there's the elderly population that can't make those stairs. You know what I mean? So we feel like inadequate in inviting people over at times. And then I realized we've always felt inadequate. We always will be. If we had the biggest house in this town or the smallest, we will always feel inadequate to invite people over. 
All right, so let's let's talk about that, trying to make it as practical as possible. For us to grow in this muscle of hospitality, I think we have to shred a couple things that aren't true. And you had mentioned it, like the expectation of what our event or our welcoming would be. Right. So first and foremost, hospitality is not entertainment. That's right. So it doesn't mean that we're throwing entertaining parties. Entertainment is when you get all the cups to be matching. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, in my house, there's too many kids that break too many glasses. They no longer match. Yeah. But entertainment is, can we get all the dishes to match with the right foods um, at the right time? With the right silverware in the right position. Absolutely. Right. And then from there, we want to make sure that everyone's having a great time. Yeah. And then we want to make sure that they feel entertained almost. That's not hospitality. That's a great thing. It's super fun. But hospitality is creating a space where people feel like they can be themselves and be cared and find respite. A hospitable person or a hospitable home is one that you enter and feel loved, cared for, and feel almost at peace. Right. That you, It's something that like fuels them. You know, and that comes out of that individual sharing just the presence of the moment of like, you matter. Let me ask you about yourself. Yeah. And enjoy the company that I will share with you. So knowing that, it takes some of the pressures off, right. at least for me and Kristen, of what we're going to be serving people. Um, we've done it to the nines before, and it's super fun. We also know choosing a certain meal that can be easily multiplied so that if there's a few people or a lot of people, we can feed whoever's there without having the, the feeling of, oh my gosh, we don't have enough for people. Okay. So taking a lot of those things just off the pressure uh, or taking pressure off so that you can be more available just to meet with people. You're, because remember, you're trying to create a space where people get respite, feel cared for and known. So that's one. We've got to grow in hospitality and that's kind of got to shed uh, that idea of entertainment. Yeah. The second thing is... Um, I, I'm not enough. So like whatever you have, whether that's a one bedroom studio or uh, a, a three bedroom house is in our head. Like that's not enough. It would have to be more than this. And then I'll start entertaining or sorry, right. then I'll start being hospitable. I think we just have to start with what we have. Paul was under house arrest. That doesn't seem like a great space to have people over to. Totally. Like, yeah. See these chains. Uh, that's awkward. You know, that's probably a tough conversation, right. um, but he's using his house that he has, and there's probably a Roman guard watching him um, to bring people from the Jewish community and to talk about the gospel, anyone who would come over. So whatever you have right now is enough. God will resource you in ways that he wants to use you to reach people around you. No doubt, man. That's a great encouragement for us in this culture that we live in. And hospitality, I mean, I'm kind of on my soapbox now, it doesn't have to be in person. So in this season where, you know, we're really being told, you know, only two how two households, up to 10 people. Um, hospitality, can you can open your life, your schedule, to just call someone, connect with someone. Um, and I think this is where the church needs to really step up, is connecting with people in their community. Um, life is really, really hard for a lot of people right now. And I don't think people's well-being is going to be much better going into a second lockdown. I think even just for my own state, my own family, it feels somewhat defeating to go back into this lockdown and so we have got to be checking in on people. And so some ways just be hospitable is carve out time in your schedule to reach out and connect with people you haven't heard from in a while. That's right. And, you know, text messaging is a really good thing. If you're learning, you need to know what you forgot on the grocery list while you're at the grocery store. But it's, it's not the mode in which you can actually hear someone share what's going on in their life. So actually a phone call, a Zoom call, whatever that is, is better than the simple email or text in this season with hospitality because you get to actually hear, 
oh man, I hear disappointing. What is that all about? You know, those things that you wouldn't be able to read in body language and in voice tone can be read in a phone call or FaceTime or Zoom call. Yeah. Just be real on the on the whole uh, Zoom call or whatever. Just share what's really going on. Yeah. I think people right now need to be in community and you are enough. The real version of you is enough. You don't have to get a nice filter on. Just reach out to somebody. Okay. So the second thing here on the, the board is called flexibility. We see in the last two verses, Paul's willingness to be flexible no matter what circumstance he follows finds himself in. So how do you see us being flexible in today's age? All right, so we, we looked at Paul. Um, he's had all these kinds of different modes of getting the gospel out there and connecting with people. And he has to be flexible every time the world around him changes or his environment changes or his condition changes to continue to be a, an apostle, to be a minister of the gospel. The church, as it grows up and gets bigger and bigger, becomes more rigid and less flexible, less agile, this is true for any business as well. The bigger you get, the more energy is spent on maintaining the company, the business, or, or the church. It can be. That's one right. of the dangers. And so the church has to remain agile because we don't know what, the, what tomorrow brings or the next year brings. The churches that are the most flexible will thrive in the next year. The ones that are rigid and unwilling to adjust their programming, their schedules, their expectations are really going to have a hard time. Yeah. So that's one of the muscles for us. I think it's just Christians, period, is I have no idea what tomorrow brings. God has not intended for me to know that. That's why there's daily bread. That's why there's daily mercies. And they're new every single morning. And I have to remain flexible. So what is a practice that you can remind yourself to? What is one of the practices you've done as a pastor, as a follower of Jesus, to remind yourself to be flexible, that today is not your day. It's written by God, trusting in him. You know, I think, just as you said, for me personally, I have to be reminded of what's really going on and who's really in charge. Um, on Sunday, before Jay even got to his home group, he was just sending me a text of encouragement, and he sent me a text uh, from Ezekiel and just said, hey, quick read. It's not uh, sports. It's not news. It's just encouragement to remind you what's really going on and who's really in charge. Um, and I was really encouraged by that. Do you want to read that text? That, did, you, did you bring it up? Yeah, man. That's Thanks for that. That's really nice of you to say those things but yeah i've um this last year i've been looking at how has the church survived over pandemics and plagues and wars and rumors of wars and all the things over the last 2000 years and i've found myself drawn to this thing called the church calendar which is sort of the rhythm the church have made and this last sunday was christ the lord sunday when christ is lord sunday and i was like what is that all about and it's basically the week before Advent or Thanksgiving or that time between um, the end of this sort of fall season and the arrival of Advent to remind yourself that God's still in charge. And so this is one of the verses that was in that reading that day. And it was Ezekiel 34, 11. It says, for this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock, when he is with them, so I will look after my sheep. And I was so reminded of the good shepherd, because I've been looking at that this year, that this is the culmination of what God has already been doing, is providing the great shepherd to come look for us, to look for my friends, to look for you, me, um, to look for my family in this season, that he knows exactly what the sheep need. And then it goes down and says, I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring them astray 
Bring, bring back the strays, sorry. And I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weakened. But the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I am the shepherd that the flock with, I will shepherd the flock with justice. And I just found that so encouraging that God still knows what he's doing with me in 2020. And if God knows all of that, this is why I was so encouraged, is that he's the one with me. And I think this is, I mean, if you're really discouraged today, you just be reminded that the good shepherd is with you. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it means you're going through it. It means you're not sitting there. We're going through it. Like this too shall pass. But as we go through it, his rod and his staff, they comfort me because he is with me, present with me. So the, the security of Christ, the knowing that he has this under control, gives me almost the freedom to live in being more flexible, agile, being able to pivot in the days ahead. Man, okay, so I think we have actually arrived at a new thing in our podcast. We've come to the conclusion of our 30 minutes, so we need to make this a part one, and let's pick up a part two for this week. So bonus episode coming this week, part two, of where we talk about the the last two verses of Acts, what Paul's doing, what we can learn as human beings in 2020, what Paul learned, what we can be reminded of, as we live out this kingdom of God, this faith in Jesus Christ, the good shepherd. So I'm going to pause here, transition the cue in the music back up. We're going to see you in part two as we finish up the book of Acts. See you very soon. <laughs>